So if you are just joining us on this, this uh, series through Ruth, you have come at a great time. You know, Ruth is, I don't know if you know this, but Ruth's only like four chapters. Literally, you can sit down and read the book of Ruth. Uh, it's kind of my kind of book. I, I don't know about you, I like the, the, the small books with a lot of pictures. Now, Ruth doesn't have pictures, but it just has, it just, it has four small, small chapters. And so you can uh, just uh, parouse through that very quickly. But I want you to be able to read through the lines a little bit. So what we're doing is that's, that's what we're doing. We're reading through the lines a little bit uh, through Ruth, just catch up the speed. Uh, Ruth um, and her, uh, her husband, I'm sorry, uh, Naomi. So let me bring in a new name here. Naomi, who was eventually Ruth's mother-in-law, so we go back to Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, okay? So Elimelech and Naomi have two sons. So they're in Bethlehem, birthplace of Jesus. Of course, that's you know, several hundred years later. And they're, they're in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And de- during the time of the judges, and it's, it's about three, 400 years there of Israel where, where there's lots of just, I mean, it's a dark time of, in the history of, of Israel. And so in that time, Naomi and Elimelech, Elimelech in Bethlehem, and they experience a famine. Instead of waiting out in the, in, you know, the house of bread, Bethlehem, where God provides, they decide, you know, we're gonna take matters in our own hands. Have you ever taken matters in your own hands? <laughs> yeah, I have. It's like, oh, I, I, this has got to be the right thing. I'll just, I'll just do this, right, without even consoling, you know, consulting God, you know. So they take matters in their own hands and say, we're going we're to go to another country, Moab, which is only 40 miles away. So they go to, they go to Moab, and then what happens is the, uh, the father, Elimelech, eventually dies. They have, uh, you know, they're influenced by the pagan gods. The sons marry uh, Moabite women, and which, is, which is not something God wanted. In fact, it, it goes against what God wanted, uh, what he told Moses. And so eventually the sons die. And then you have Naomi left with her two daughter-in-laws. And she decides, you know what? I've had enough of Moab. I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to the house of bread. So she returns. And, um, and then um, uh, that's when uh, Ruth decides, you know, I'm going to stay with you. The other daughter-in-law says, you know, I'm going to go back to Moab. And so Ruth stays with, with Naomi, and they go back to Bethlehem. But I, I want us to remind ourselves of something. When we experience famines in our lives, don't take matters in our own hands. We're going to be tempted to do that. They say, well, I've never experienced a famine. Maybe not a food famine, but you maybe have experienced a financial famine. And, And I don't know about you, and I've been tempted on this as well, and I've done some really silly, stupid things with finances in the middle of a famine. So when there's a financial famine and we're trying to give to the Lord, what's one of the first things we say? Okay, God, uh, I, I, need, I need food, I need shelter, and you know, I, I need some of these things for our family. And so God, you can take care of yourself, so I'm gonna have to, I, we can't give during this season. We just, we just can't do it. So we're gonna, we're gonna cancel that out. And so we take matters in our own hands and we don't trust God. We don't trust God. Or 
We do things silly with our finances, with that, because we don't ask for wisdom. We don't bring God into the picture. And so what happens is we have financial ruin. That family of Elimelech and Naomi was ruined because they took matters in their own hands, moved to a Moabite country, a pagan country. And so whenever we experience famines, even in relationships, in marriages, some of you may be in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, where you may be experiencing a famine in your intimacy or famine in, you know, in, in talking, discussing, you know, spending time, whatever that is. And so what do some people naturally do? They go seek other love in wrong places. It's a bad country song. And so they, they go out and they experience love in places that they know they're not supposed to go. It was a God's plan, all because they took matters in their own hands, because of the famine in their life. Rather than trusting in God, rather than praying with their spouse, rather than going to counseling, rather than walking through, rather than calling the preacher and say, hey, preacher, I need you to talk to us. And by the way, anytime you want to talk as far as you know, a marriage situation, just let me know. I'm not a professional counselor, but I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And if you need some counseling, we're gonna help you. We're gonna, we've got partnerships with, with, with entities and counselors and all kinds of stuff that we can provide help. We can get you that. So when we experience famines, don't be like a lemon length and go move 40 miles away. And by the way, it wasn't that, long, it wasn't that far. We don't, have to be, we don't have to go too far to where we're outside the will of God. So it's really not that far to get outside the will of God. Last week, uh, Jackson talked about how um, um, Ruth met Boaz. Now, Boaz was like a man's man. I mean, just he, he, was, he was awesome. So think of, think of Captain America, all right? I mean, Captain America is like this muscular guy, warrior, you know, but he's like real, real man of integrity, you know, and, um, you know, defeats evil and all that kind of stuff. So Boaz, he, he owns his own business. He's a man who is, is sits at the city gates. So back then, if you wanted to know who the, who the wise men were, you'd go to the front entrance of the city, and they were at the city gates of Bethlehem. And, and, Mo, and Boaz was one of those men who hung out with those other guys. And so Ruth met Boaz, and we got to introduce uh, we get introduced to how the invisible hand of God will craft things in our lives, and we don't even realize it. It just so happened that Boaz, we'll talk about this in a few minutes, that Boaz was the family redeemer for Naomi, and of course, obviously for Ruth. And it just so happens that she was in her field. It just so happens, no, it's not just so happens, it's God. It's God. You ever had of those situations where, where God, God places you in something and you're like, there's no way that's a coincidence. That is the hand of God in your life. And there's lots of times where you and I may miss the hand of God because maybe we're not watching for it or not even anticipating it or expecting it. Today, I wanna talk about how, we're gonna talk about a proposal a marriage proposal. Now we've got several 
we got several couples in our church that um, have gotten engaged over the past few months and uh, probably some that are getting closer. And, and so if you, if you have some friends that, that they're, um, you know, they're trying maybe, maybe to get hitched, you know, and uh, get, get, uh, get engaged and find that, that love, tell them to come to Lake Point Church because there's something in the water and, you know, people are just like meeting up and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, but we've got several couples who have recently proposed. And so there's lots of different proposals. And I tell you what, I proposed to my wife about 20, almost 25 years ago. And so um, proposals back then were a little different than they are today. Right? I mean, we didn't, we didn't have iPhones. I mean, no, nobody, was, nobody was camped out because I proposed in a, in, a, in a small little Baptist church where I met. And, uh, and I had a key, so I opened it up, you know. And so uh, it's funny because, you know, Suzanne walked in. It was like stormy and rainy outside. And she, what, we walked in. She goes, this is kind of creepy. I was like, we're in a church, and it's, you know, dark. And it's like, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Just roll with it, all right? But, but, so, but there's no one camped out behind one of the pews, you know, with, the, with one of these, right? And so uh, we, have, we don't have that recorded, but it's amazing how, how proposals have, have escalated and how they, ha- <laughs> and some of y'all are looking at me are like, yeah, we, we have that recorded, our, our proposal recorded. Um, but I wanted you to take a look at a video that shows how some of these modern day proposals, it's called Millennial Marriage Proposal. We may have seen it. I know, it's so insane. This is, there's nothing better than this, right? This is the greatest. Unbelievable, look at this. I can't believe I... <gasps> Madison Marie, will you marry me? Oh, babe. You hired a photographer, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Do you mind, um... Do you mind actually coming a little bit closer? I just, I don't know if it's going to share that well. If it's, like, what? so far back. Madison Marie, will you marry me? This is still from the back. Do you mind if we just switch spots so that the camera's... Madison Marie, will you marry me? Oh, my, my hair's up and I didn't realize. Do you mind if you scoot back so we get the skyline in the background? Madison Marie. Cut. Sorry, I don't like my middle name. Uh, can I take a look at that? I just want to see if it's... I wanted this to be a surprise, but at least you could have given me a hint. I don't look good in any of these. Okay. I'm sweating right now, and this can't be good for my complexion. What are you talking about? The lighting is, like, really harsh. I probably look like a Picasso painting. It's... Cloud-wise, what are you thinking? More? Yeah. See, when you you turn around, is it already going to be open? Yes. Madison Marie. I'm already wearing it. Oh, all right, take it. Okay. Give me the ring back, and then we'll start from the top. Okay, okay. Okay. I read a blog. The perfect time for engagements is like 5 to 5.30. I'm trying to do something fun for you, and you ruin it. Ruin every. Oh my gosh! Okay, I don't know if I can even do this anymore. All right, here we go. Well, you're gonna be that. You're gonna be turned around. Right. Anyway, so I'll just start right. on my knee. Right, Thank you. You got a double chin in this one. Switching things up. We're gonna have camera guy here, sound guy right here. John, continuity sake, right knee. I'm gonna go left hand. It's gonna be bigger, right? Can you Photoshop that? As soon as he opens the box, we're gonna have a sweeping zoom motion, and then coming all the way up, revealing the beautiful skyline. I'm going to say yes, and it's gonna be great. All right, from top. So then I'm gonna either go here or here. What do you okay, think? How about, or we could go this way. Right? I feel like no one sees me though, because my face is pointed That's fine. out. No one needs to see your face. <laughs> say it a little bit more like you believe in it. Like do it. How would I say it? Marrying you would be hashtag relationship goals. Who says that? You will! Rolling! <sighs> I just want it to be like how they do it in the movies. 
I don't know. I'm just not feeling the production value of this. Production? What? What do you want from this? Oh, uh, I don't know. First thing that comes to my mind, La La Land. La they didn't even get married. Spoiler alert. Cut. Madison's engagement. Take 43. Great, hurry. First positions. Put that somewhere. First positions? Babe, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Look at all these likes. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> but it's funny. You know, it's amazing how proposals have just escalated, you know, to that point. And I wonder how, what's gonna be happening in the next 10, 20 or so years. But we get to meet a little bit of, of Boaz and Ruth. Now, it, 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 is a, it is a love story, yes. But I wanna caution you, there's some, there's some not so great choices in this, in this love story. And God will actually redeem this. Uh, situation, uh, but just so you know, Boaz, um, when Ruth comes in and gleans from the field, so what, what happens is Boaz has workers working in this field picking grain, and then um, when they leave some behind, so the Bible actually says in, in the Mosaic law that um, if, if you leave some grain behind, it's okay, because allow the widows uh, to come behind you and pick up what's left over for free, and so that's what Ruth is doing. She is working in uh, Boaz's field and she is gleaning behind the workers. And Boaz gets to the point to where he says, okay, let's make it easy for Ruth because he recognizes her and, um, and he sees her beauty. And obviously Boaz is single. And so Boaz tells his workers, make it easy for Ruth. In fact, leave some of these behind and even tie some of these up to where she didn't have to go far and, and everything. And we see this in Ruth chapter two, uh, verse 19 through 20. Just a little bit of what we, we read uh, uh, last week. So her mother-in-law, Naomi, asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed to be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added that that man is our cho close relative and he is one of our guardian redeemers. All right, so let me share with you just real, real quick about the guardian redeemer or family uh, redeemer. So what this is uh, set up is that God set this in place uh, to where if, if as a family uh, a, a bad choice is made, that uh, there, is, um, there is an opportunity to sort of reclaim the, the land or the possessions or that sort of deal. So let's say if, if you have a family, an Israelite family, and they, uh, and, the, and the husband you know, dies, uh, and obviously the widows are left with the land, rather than the land being lost in that family, because, because women, they, 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 couldn't, they didn't own anything, okay, this is, how, how it was back then, ladies. So they didn't own anything. They didn't ha have jobs, okay? They didn't have businesses. They didn't own land. And so, so it could stay in the family. There would be a family redeemer, someone in the family who would be identified as someone, okay, we are related to them and I'm going to redeem this for them. Or let's say if there's a, if there's a bad choice, 
If there's, if there's a, a, a bad choice in the family and someone dies or, or, or you know, there's a divorce situation or, or whatever, then there's a redeemer that comes in and will make sure that the possessions that will stay within the family. And what I love about this is that God cares for us so much. He loves us so much that he set this in motion. And so, back with the Israelites. And, and he also gives this as a picture of redemption, of a redeemer. Because when you look at what Jesus did for us, Jesus is known as our great redeemer. He bought back with his life, he bought back our eternal life when we lost it to sin. When we make bad choices and we're on the path to hell and destruction, Jesus came as a redeemer and says, you know what? Originally, you were created for eternal life. You were created to be in heaven with me, to live eternally with me, to walk with me just like Adam walked with me. And because sin came into the world, because you have sinned, I have bought that back so that you, and you can walk with me again. You know, just like Adam used to walk with God, you and I, when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and, and he's in our, in our hearts and we live for him, we get to walk and talk with Jesus. We get to walk and talk with God just like Adam did. But you know why? It's because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. It's not because of something we've done. It's not because something we live a good life, we make good choices. That's not what it's about. It's because we accept Jesus Christ as Savior who died for us and redeemed our souls. And so because of that, he lives in us, the spirit lives in us, we can walk with him. So Boaz is the family redeemer. Another uh, concept that God established is called a Levite uh, marriage. So Levite marriage is one in which if a husband dies, and is left with the widow, and there's no son to kind of take over, you know, the family and, and that kind of stuff. So what happens is a, a brother will marry um, the, the widow. The brother of the husband that died will marry the widow. And, and in this case, it, it, you know, not even a brother, you know, if, if a brother can't and be a next brother or someone in line, it's all in the Mosaic laws. But God established that. Why? Because he knew that widows would not be able to do much on their own, just so they'd be taken care of. And so, um, so like today, if I pass away, and if we were in Israel back then, Suzanne would marry my brother, which is kind of weird. Good luck with that, baby, if y'all know my brother. Um, so, but, but God established that back in the day to protect because he loves us and to make sure that the widows had what they needed. So, so Boaz was that family redeemer to help protect the legacy of the family of Ruth because there are no men in that family because the father died and 
the sons died. So now we're going to get to the proposal. We're going to get to this proposal. And what's really interesting about this, this proposal is that um, this proposal is very, very creative. We just watched a, a video of, of a creative proposal. And there have been lots of different creative proposals. Some of you in this room have had a, a very great, incredible marriage proposal. Very creative, awesome. And, but this one, I think, tops it all. This one, this marriage proposal tops it all. And so we're going to get into this a little bit. So we're going to read chapter 3 in Ruth, and we're going to read the verses 1 through 6. So one day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter. Now, so, so she has been working, Ruth's been working in the field probably about a month or so. And so she says, uh, my daughter, I must find a home for you. Okay, stop right there. I must find a home for you. What is she doing? She's starting to what? Take matters in her own hands. Who taught her that? Her husband, Elimelech. Just like he did, she is starting to take matters in her own hands. I must find, not, hey, Ruth, let's go to God. Let's get on our knees and pray that God will send someone in your life and God will bless you and, and all so, so she's starting to do that. I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, at, um, a relative, is a relative of ours. Tonight, so she's got this plan. Tonight, she, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Now, the threshing floor was a basically, is kind of a, a lot of times it's a building where they put the, some of the grain and, um, and a threshing is where they, they get the, the grain, the stalk, and around the, the actual pieces of grain, the kernel of grain, is this really thin uh, material called chaff. And so to separate the grain from the chaff, you have to like beat it right, with the rod and, and then let, uh, let the wind, you throw it up and let the wind carry it. So a lot of times these would be kind of up on a hill um, and then they, there would just be this huge floor where people would just smack it or walk on it or that sort of stuff and separate it, throw it up, let the wind take the chaff away. Uh, but it's a biblical reference. God will take the, remove the chaff away, uh, which represents sin in our lives. Uh, lots of great study on that. You could do a personal study. I encourage you to do that. But so this threshing floor was at a place where that's where they did all that. So she said, wash, put on your perfume, uh-oh. Get dressed in your best clothes, uh-oh. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. Okay, means wine. When he lies down, Note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet. Uh, this, this word feet actually uh, is translated best, legs. Uncover his legs. So uncover, right? Um, and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Yeah, I bet he'll tell you what to do. <laughs> she says, I will, I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down in the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now, I need you to understand something and be reminded of something. Ruth, Ruth grew up in a pagan country, worshiped other gods. She is first trying to understand this whole God of Israel concept. 
You know, back in, 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 in chapter one, she says, I want to follow you, Naomi, and I want to go where you go, and I want to go where your God goes. So she is seeking God. She is trying to understand God. She is a pagan. Uh, she, she is a woman in, who lived in a pagan country, and, and she's being told by Naomi, who grew up an Israelite, child of God, Bethlehem, and she follows Naomi. Well, she follows God. It must be right. Hey, can I tell y'all something? Look, this is so important. If people know that you are a follower of Christ, and they should, if they don't, you need to question your evangelism strategy. But if people know that you are a follower of Christ, that you're different because of what God does in your life, and you lead them just slightly astray or towards the cliff a little bit of sin, they're going to trust you and they're going to think, oh, well, it must be right because, you know, they go to church or they're involved in FCA, you know, or, or whatever. Because you wear that, that Jesus jersey, you've got to be careful with that. This, this idea by Naomi it was awful advice. It was stupid advice. And Ruth thought, oh, well, that must be what they do. Can I tell you something? Nowhere in Scripture does it say for a woman to go lie down towards midnight with a man, uncover him when he's had a few drinks, lie down with him in your best, wash clothes, perfume, and see what happens. That is nowhere in Scripture. So Ruth thinks, all right, this must be, uh, must be, must be right. A threshing floor. What if, what, if, what if Boaz wasn't even there? We don't know for sure Boaz. She, she would have gone to the threshing floor at night, other men with a few drinks, other men not like Boaz, some other kind of workers working for Boaz, put her in a very vulnerable place. Let's go to verse seven. So what happens is, as we continue, seven through nine, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, his legs, and lay down. In the middle of of the night, something startled the man, Boaz. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. Probably just couldn't see her because of no lighting. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. And I would imagine this is probably even kind of and we don't know this. It could even be a seductive kind of, you know, hey, you're the guardian redeemer of our family. I'm wearing the dress. You know, I've got perfume on. We're over here on the far side of the green pile. Everybody else is passed out. You know, we're under the covers. You know, cover me up a little bit. But this is not 
going well. And I'm sorry if you've read this chapter, book of Ruth and you're like, oh, how romantic. This is so romantic. No, this is not romantic. Students don't, and singles, don't read this book of Ruth and say, hey, if it's in the Bible, that's what we need to do. <laughs> Look, y'all, there's so many things in the Bible that it's there because it's how people did, it's what people did. What's in the Bible, you have sin, you have consequences of sin, you have redemption. That's all throughout the Bible. And so just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean we go do that. And so Ruth goes and basically she's saying, will you marry me? It's the proposal. She's saying it, you're our guardian redeemer. You, you, you can marry me. Will you marry me? She proposes to him. She's been working in his field about a month. She can't wait. Naomi can't wait. Naomi can't wait. But there's someone in the story who can wait. There's someone in the story who has patience. And his name is Boaz. Boaz is someone who's a worthy person. He is a worthy, worthy man. And we're gonna, I'm gonna share with you three principles that we learn from Boaz. Number one, a worthy person, man, woman, I mean, it doesn't have to just be man, but in this situation it is, but a worthy person understands the importance of patience. Let's look in verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Now let's just stop there. I'm gonna be honest with you today as your pastor. If I was in college and I... I don't drink, I don't say that with pride, I just, I just don't drink, I don't drink alcohol. But let's say if I had a few drinks, and, and I'm sitting there lying in bed in my dorm, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and there's a nice looking woman, obviously before I met Suzanne, a nice looking girl, you know, sleeping next, you know, sitting next to me, and she says, you know, something kind of seductive. You know, probably the last thing I will say so the situation is, oh, the Lord bless you. <laughs> the Lord bless you. You know, Jesus, bring Jesus in the picture, bring God into the picture. Man, if I was in a situation in college, are you kidding me? With my head crazy? I, I mean, I'd bring, I would leave God out of this conversation. In that in that moment of lust. But what does Boaz do? He brings God into the situation. He realizes, whoa, <laughs> Ruth is here. We're on the far end of the grain, grain pile and I, um, we're in a situation here. Let's read on. Verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. So he's accepting it, right? It's good. All the people in my town, I know, uh, my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although 
It is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family. There is another who is more closely related than I. So you have Boaz, a worthy man who's showing patience. It's like, look, I, I can have you right now. But no, he's saying, you know, Naomi, first of all, we, time out. I mean, Ruth, time out. And there is someone else who is a family redeemer who is actually, we're gonna talk about him next week, but there's a family redeemer who's actually closer related to Naomi than me. So we need to, we need to draw it. We need to be patient with this. And what does that say about that man? That man of worthy character. That man of worthy character. Ladies, you want to have a man in your life who will not advance a relationship for his own lust, for his own, for his own keeping, for his, his own enjoyment. You want to be, have a man in your life who will honor you and honor God. He brought God in the conversation, immediately brought God in. The Lord, first words out of his mouth. It wouldn't, whoa, baby, you look awesome. It was the Lord, the Lord. Guys, you wanna shock somebody? You wanna shock a girl? Bring the Lord into the picture first. Because it's easy to make it about you. Easy to make it about you. The next thing we learn is a worthy person, number two, a worthy person understands the value of integrity. Integrity, verses 13 through 14. It says this, stay here for the night, this is Boaz, and in the morning, if he wants to do uh, his duty as your guardian redeemer, talk about the other guy, good, let him redeem you. Again, this is the middle of the night right now. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet. Nothing happened until morning. But he got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. No one must know came to the threshing floor. So he is a man of integrity. He's looking out for Ruth. People like Ruth. She's a sweet girl. She's a pretty girl. She's great. Whoa, she went to the threshing floor? The threshing floor. She went there in the middle of the night with other men and they had too much to drink? Whoa. Boaz was a man of integrity. He protected Ruth. He protected Ruth's integrity. He got up before anybody else to say, look, we, we can't let anybody know that a woman came here. Nothing happened, obviously, but we can't. So you want to make sure that you guys are in a position where you are protecting the integrity. Girls, you wanna make sure that you have a guy that will protect your integrity, that will have your interests of your integrity more and out front than anything he wants in his life or in his heart. He realized 
look, Ruth, you should not have come here. We don't even say that, but he's basically saying that. Look, Ruth, you shouldn't have come here. But, you know, he didn't shun her out. He says, okay, just stay here. I don't want you going in the middle of the night back home. Just stay here, and we're gonna do this right. He's redeeming the relationship already, already. And the last thing we know of a person, of a worthy person, is understands the necessity of extended, of loving the extended family. He's loving the extended family. You know, one of the things I love about my wife, Suzanne, she loves my family. She loves my mom and my dad and my brother. And I tell you what, my dad, will, my dad gives her every reason sometimes for her not to really like him or love him. Now, he's not, he's not like mean to her or anything, but he's just like, like, and I've shared this before. The first time, the first time she came home to visit the mom and dad, okay, my mom and dad, it was like hot summer and we lived in a mobile home park and, and I, I, I walked to this mobile home park and my dad's sitting in his recliner, just pants, no shirt, no shirt, big belly. He's like, well, hey, baby, how you doing? You know, and I'm like, oh, dear God, it's over. We've been dating for a few months and I'm like, all right, this is it. This is it. If she really loves me, <clears throat> she'll get past this. And then he puts her in a room. <laughs> she puts her in a room. <clears throat> and then about a few minutes later, she walks out of the room. She goes, uh, Frank, I can't sleep in there. It's like, why? Because my dad raised baby rats. And he raised baby rats to, to sell to the, the, the pet store for the snakes. And so mama and, and daddy rat were in a cage. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> in, in that room. She goes, I am not going to sleep in that room with rats. She's like, but baby, they, they have a wheel in there. They have all kinds of stuff to play with, you know. They're not going to escape. <laughs> but she loves my dad. She, she says often, God bless his soul a lot, but she loves my dad. Let me tell you something. If you don't get along, just for those who are kind of seriously considering dating, and Madison, our oldest daughter, is seriously dating someone, and we like Michael, and Michael's been to our house, and Madison's been to his parents' house, but, and everybody's getting along great, but if you don't like the extended family, you probably shouldn't get married, because guess what? You're going, when you marry that other person, you're marrying the extended family. Amen. <laughs> you are. You are marrying that extended family. Verse 15, it says this. He also said, he also said, this is Boaz, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. Which he did, he poured into it six measures of barley. That's like 90 pounds. I don't know what kind of shawl could hold 90 pounds of barley, but whatever. And placed the, the, the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. <laughs> here, here, take this 90 pounds of barley on your back. Okay, just head on home, you know. There's some things that Boaz didn't do right. Um, then when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these um, six measures of barley 
saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Here's what what Boaz is doing. He is basically telling her, "Um, Naomi, here's a present for you. Here's a present for you. Here's Here's some more barley. You can take this. Here's a present for you. But he's also saying this. Naomi, I understand what you're doing. I know you're in a tough situation. Your husband died. Your your son's died. You're left with just you and Ruth. I get it. I understand what you're doing. But just wait. Wait for it. We're going to get through this. We're going to make, God's going to make this right. And he's telling Naomi, this is not the way to do it. Sending your your daughter-in-law to the threshing floor and what she did. That's not how we do things. That's not how God has ordained it. What an amazing, worthy man, Boaz. You, you, you boys, middle school, high school, and, and even college age, you know, single men in, in this room, I want, you to let you, I want to let you know something. You need to be more like Boaz. You need to walk as a worthy man. Patience and integrity, and you need to, and you need it to love the extended family. But he's telling her, look, this is not the way we do things. We as men, we need to say, look, this is not the way we do things. And so how do we know that Naomi got the picture? We see it in the last verse. The last verse, and we'll be done. Verse 18. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Wait. She's basically saying this. Look, Ruth, I took matters in my own hands, and I should not have done that. So let's just wait, and let's see what Boaz will do. Let's see how he will intervene in this. And we find out next chapter, we'll talk about next week. You don't wanna miss next week. We'll close out Ruth. But how he goes and he talks to the other family redeemer and, and all this stuff, but he will take care of it. Now, how do we apply that today in our lives? Some of you today are in a situation where you feel like, man, I, I've, got to, I've got to start moving. I've been waiting too long. I've got to start moving. I've got to take matters in my own hands. Financially, relationships, whatever. I've got to take matters in my own hands. And I get that. God does want us to move. God wants us to put our faith in action. Yes, but you've got to make sure it's God speaking to you. But understand this. Jesus, your great redeemer, he's going to take care of it. He says this. Naomi says this, Boaz will not rest until it's taken care of. God will not rest until it's taken care of. Jesus did not rest on his way to the cross. Yeah, he fell down a couple of times. Yes, he had a a, a guy come up and help carry the cross, but he kept that mild journey to the cross and he did not give up. He did not rest fighting for you and me. God will not rest. You see, Boaz is a picture of Jesus, our great redeemer. And ultimately, Jesus 
the, the lineage of Jesus can be traced back to Ruth and Boaz. Boaz was a picture of Christ, a redeemer, and he will not rest until it is right. God loves you. God wants to make it right. Trust in him. Don't take matters in your own hands. Trust in him.